Wizard of Oz, one of the most beloved films of all time. Let's go behind the curtain to reveal all its dark secrets, like injuries to all the main characters, from the witch getting severely burned, to 16-year-old Judy Garland being on a steady stream of uppers and downers. We'll find out who got slapped on set by the director and who was paid what for their performance. You won't want to miss this one. Next on Technically a Conversation. Greetings, super friends. Welcome to another episode of Technically a Conversation. Here, we like to share an interesting topic with each other, which we've recently learned and hope you find it interesting too. I'm one half of your hosts, Isela. Joining me as always is a bidet's biggest advocate, Jose. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. You always crack me up when you always talk about the bidets. I know we had a dinner, a large dinner with one of our our friend, our fans, our super friend fans. <laughs> yeah, super friend Erica, as a matter of fact. One of the queens. That's right. Very enjoyable dinner. And yes, I can't uh, talk more highly of bidets. It totally changed my life. <laughs> Game changer. Yes, I'm, I would believe that. So quick reminder, we still have that great opportunity to win your very own smoldering hot, technically a conversation t-shirt. Tell them what they got to do, Jose. It's very easy. Just leave us a review, take a screenshot, send it to one of our socials. We're at Greetings TAC everywhere. And once we get the review, we'll read it on the show. And once we have 25, we'll do a drawing and give the winner a sexy, technically a conversation t-shirt. And we're already up to like 18 or 14 or something like that. So it's not that many more. I know. Come on, people. We can do it. Yep. So check out technicallyaconversation.com for all the deets. Or just check our show notes. And thank you to everyone that's already left us a review. Thank you. (laughs) Quick shout out to the queens, Erica and Elena, the Duke, Stephen B, and Chelsea Grin. And we also want to welcome all of our new super friends coming over from Crime Family, Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness, and the Contra Zoom podcast. We hope that you enjoy our show. And add us to your podcast rotation. I'm going to start off with asking you just a vague question. Do you remember a time that you felt like, damn, I just had some really good luck? Should I answer with a very vague answer also? (laughs) No, if you remember a specific (laughs) time, then cool. There's not one particular instance that comes to mind. But yeah, I'm sure that I've said that too. Like, you know, I've had that opportunity where I'm like, wow, I can't believe for once my luck isn't rotten. Oh, okay, good. So that means you also believe in some bad luck as well. That's a different question. I don't believe in good luck or bad luck. You think we created ourselves somehow? Not that we created ourselves. I, th- I think that there's that we put ourselves in predicaments sometimes that don't work out favorably. Sometimes others put us in predicaments that don't work out favor- favorably for us. But as far as luck, as far as um, you know, there being some something out there like uh, some karma or something like that. I don't really buy into that. Mm, interesting. I know I felt like I had a streak of bad luck when I was getting a lot of um, flat tires. Like I think in two months, I think I had like three fat, flat tires. I was like, are you kidding me? Another one? Like what is happening? I was like, I think I need a limpia. 
that's awful. I've, I've had that happen to me too, where I felt like I got like three flat tires also in a couple of months. It sucks. It's the worst. You're like, I'm okay with having one every few years or something, right? Like, I feel like that's what we're due. <laughs> but anyway, so on to another question. As a kid, did you ever watch The Wizard of Oz? I did. Oh, good. Okay. So I bring up the bad luck because I feel like this film was riddled with like either bad luck, just a shit ton of disasters. And it could have possibly been that like the director had gotten some karma back also. Like we'll get into that. But this is what we're going to talk about and dive into today. All the super wacky behind the scenes or BTS deets, as the kids would say, of this 1939 film. Dude, that's 83 years old. Isn't that insane? That is. And it's such a great movie, too. Like, I I remember thinking of it fondly from the music to the storyline and, like, good prevails. I don't know. I loved it. I have to agree. I love that movie, too. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you like that one. I also know that you are one of the rare friends of mine that are male and that like musicals. So, big props to that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how comfortable I am with you sharing that on a podcast, but... um. Okay, you can take that out. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. No, that's more like a, a guilty pleasure, I guess you could say. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure I have guilty pleasures. I still love NSYNC. I don't know if that's it's up, <laughs> up there. <laughs> All right. So let's kick it off with the biggest rumor that people have probably heard. And we should clarify this one up front. No one committed suicide by hanging themselves during the filming. Did you ever hear that rumor? No, I haven't heard that one. Oh, okay. A lot of people had heard that rumor and I read it in a book because it's absolutely not true. Definitely a rumor. So I was relieved to hear that we were not the witnesses to anyone's demise. <laughs> Imagine what a cursed film it would be for people to... Was it the people that were acting in the movie or was it people that were working on that? People that were acting, all of them got injured. Like every single one, including Toto. <laughs> oh. I know. That one made me feel bad. <laughs> I'm like... Okay, people, sometimes we choose to do it, but this poor little dog didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we know that nobody committed suicide, so. We're already starting off somewhat on a good foot. <laughs> so most of the information today is based on the book, The Making of the Wizard of Oz. You guys, it's a really good read. All of the details are in there from like beginning interviews with the initial director, um, just all kinds of really cool behind the scenes. There's even a foreword by uh, the Wicked Witch of the West. We'll get into all the stuff that she got into, but she's probably the one who I think fared the worst. I say initial director because this movie had four directors. That already seems a bit unstable and pretty chaotic, right? <laughs> In an article titled Dark Secrets Behind the Making of The Wizard of Oz, the first director, Richard Thorpe, wanted Judy Garland to wear a blonde wig, <laughs> which would have been awful, I think. He was quickly fired about a week into the job. I'll explain why in a bit. Then George Cooker was brought on. And his most notable films are My Fair Lady. And um, he also left Wizard of Oz because he was going to film another movie. Perhaps you've heard of this one. Gone with the Wind. I have heard that one. Yeah, this one went on to win like Best Picture, Best Directing, Best Actress. Like clearly he chose wisely there. The director that eventually stuck was Victor Fleming. The movie had 10 screenwriters, and it was based on the book Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. And this was actually the first book in a series of 14 books. Like, that's way too many books. 
This information I got from a dearly departed podcast, number 25. They further said that the author actually didn't even want to write a sequel, but it made so much money that he was like, what the hell? And he felt like the public really demanded. So I don't know how much of that I really believe, but, you know, I'm sure he was tempted by the by the cash. Who would not be, right? Yeah. Somebody comes to me and brings me a couple of bags of money. I'll write them whatever the hell they want me to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so in the book, just some fun little tidbits here. The famous ruby red slippers were actually silver, but I'm sure the director was like, hell nah, we need some color to pop and really grab our audience. We ain't throwing away all this money on Technicolor for nothing, right? Because it was huge. That was a really big deal. So they did make them red. Let's also get into the Tin Man. I don't know if you remember him. He was also silver? Yes. Was I the only person who found it weird that he was carrying around an axe? Yeah, that is kind of strange. I remember, like, why is he carrying an axe? I was like, my man has about 20% range of his rusty ass arms. Let's give him a, let's give that character a lethal weapon. That sounds like a very sound plan. <laughs> or they could have made his hands into axes. Oh my God, that would have been very, uh, like a precursor to Nightmare on Elm Street. It's like very <laughs> Tim Burton-ish. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> So it only made sense why he was carrying an axe if you read the book. He was just a regular old dude in the book. He happened to fall in love with the munchkin. The munchkin's caretaker didn't want her to leave with this guy for selfish reasons. She actually liked that the munchkin did all the housework. It was almost like Cinderella. It's kind of what I got. Cinderella meets the munchkin. <laughs> she got the wicked witch to cast a spell on the axe. And then the axe cut off all the guy's limbs. And then just some dude around town rebuilt him with tin, but he forgot the heart. That's why he was a, a woodman at the beginning. So he's the tin woodman. So it does seem a really like a little bit dark already for a children's book. What? Are you kidding me? It's cutting off, <laughs> it's cutting off limbs. This is crazy. <laughs> but I start to think about all of those like fairy tales back in the day. Do you remember like the Rockabye Baby? That's pretty fucked up. Why do we sing that? You know, like... Down comes baby, cradle and all. Oh my God. We're singing little nightmares to them. Was <laughs> <laughs> a different time too, where like if you had 12 kids, maybe only six of them survived. So I think people were used to having tragedy in their life. That's a very good point. I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> so there was actually another actor who was first filmed as the Tin Woodman. His name was actor Buddy Ebsen. They had already been filming for nine days, this actor, but he had to be hospitalized because he was quoted saying he tried to take a breath and nothing happened. Uh, <laughs> excuse me? What do you mean? <laughs> he was kept in an oxygen tent due to, hang on to your witch hats, due to the aluminum powder used on his face to give him a more shiny look. It got all in his lungs. Why would they use aluminum powder? This sounds like the worst idea. <laughs> Also, he said that he couldn't feel the left side of his body. I mean, it, it sounded pretty bad. He was being poisoned from the pain, right? Right, exactly. And it was getting all in his lungs, so he couldn't even breathe. I'm sure all the oxygen loss, forget it. So remember I mentioned that the first director was cut early. This is actually the reason why, because one of their main guys was hospitalized for six weeks. So that'll do it. <laughs> the studio had to pump out 52 movies a year. Look, I say this not because I think it's an excuse at all, but just so you know, the studio called Buddy while he was in the hospital and they're like, uh, so when are you coming back? 
<laughs> Basically, I'm not sure how you can go from like, hey, I almost killed this person to, hey, can I get you back in the office soon? <laughs> it's all about the Benjamins, to quote Sean Puffy Combs. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it really was. It, I mean, once I found out the whole 52 movies a year, that's a lot. That's very aggressive. So poor Buddy Epson, of course, he did not go on to do the rest of the movie in the Tin Woodman character. And he was prone to bronchitis for the rest of his life after that. He did end up having a scene in the movie because one of the very first scenes shot was the witch's soldiers. They were known as the Winkies. I don't know if you remember them. They were like, oh, we, oh, we, oh. Do you remember those guys? No, I just remember the flying monkeys. Oh, God. Yeah, those were weird. I didn't like those. I didn't like to watch when they were on. <laughs> so as far as the Winkies are concerned, um, while listening to an Australian podcast, do go on episode 297. They were really funny because what I gather is winky is Australian slang for penis. So so every time they would say the winkies, they would just bust out laughing. It was really funny. <laughs> so we're, we're packing all kinds of fun learning in this one, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely stuff that I had never heard about. Nor, nor have I. <laughs> Jack Haley was the one who ultimately was cast as the Tin Man. And they learned their lesson, thankfully. They were not using aluminum dust. They were only using aluminum paste. <laughs> I don't think that's any better, but okay, at least it's not flying everywhere. This gave him an eye infection, and he was out of filming for four days. But I still think he fared better than everyone else, because as far as his costume is concerned, he couldn't sit down. He could only lean on things. That sounds kind of fucked up especially when you found out that like they had 16 hour days food this poor guy i bet his calves were fucking awesome <laughs> that's ridiculous i agree moving on to the scarecrow it was played by ray bulger he was also that guy um hunk who worked on the ranch right the one who ends up like in her dream as a scarecrow his costume was made of asbestos what are you kidding <laughs> He was actually paid the most. Him and the Tin Man were paid the most out of the whole cast. I'll get into the details later. And here's the weird thing. Ray Bulger, the guy who went out to do the Scarecrow, was actually originally cast to be the Tin Man. And he said, hey, I think I could be more like physically funny as the Scarecrow. And, you know, the other guy was like, sweet. All right, we'll swap. And they swapped roles. And that's how he ended up in that role, which I think he did really great. So I'm glad that they ended up swapping. And he died of lung cancer from the asbestos at 42. <laughs> you know, I don't know what he died of. But he did go on to say that it was really miserable because the mask that he had on, it was like really hot. It was rubber. And, you know, he couldn't really sweat to cool down. And again, 16-hour workdays under those hot lights. Like Kimmy said, yeah, that sounds really <laughs> miserable. <laughs> Cowardly lion. He, he was my favorite character. I don't know about you. It was played by Bert Lahr. Now, his costume looked pretty convincing, right? It looked like a real lion's hair and stuff. Yeah. I was still thinking about who my favorite was, but... um. Yeah, I'm going to ask you at the end so you can keep thinking. But as far as his costume is concerned, like, it looked pretty legit. Well, there was no studio magic there because it was made of a real lion pelt. What the fuck? Like we do in the 1930s. That... Is awful. When I learned this, like, it legit gave me sad vibes, like, in a hurry. <laughs> Dude 
had his costume that weighed 90 pounds. That's awful. 90 pounds? Can you imagine carrying 90 pounds and then jumping around? Remember how he was like jumping around all the time? Well, my stomach weighs like 90 pounds, so I guess I'm kind of used to that. (laughs) (laughs) The worst part about this all is he also had like a mask on and a whole lot of makeup. So he actually couldn't eat at all because of all the makeup. And they were in the, the makeup chair for like three hours before they even started filming. When they told him that he couldn't eat, like he kind of understood for a little bit and so many weeks or however long passed. And then after a while, I think he just couldn't handle these 16-hour work days without food. And he was like, forget that. I'm eating. Just put the makeup back on, which I'm glad he did. I'm glad he put his lion foot down. (laughs) With the thick makeup and the 90-pound lion's pelt under the bright lights, this poor guy sweat a ton. This is also why they gave him two assistants that were assigned just to dry out the pelt daily. That's gross. I know. I know it's nasty. (laughs) Everyone said on set that it just smelled really, really bad. Like, how awful. Bacala. This is probably a good time to cut to a commercial. And then when we come back, we'll get into the Wicked Witch of the West, Judy Garland's character, Dorothy, et cetera, et cetera. All the fun stuff. Hi, this is Dakota, host of ContraZoom Pod, where we go back and forth about film. I am obsessed with movies. I could talk about them all day. And if you're like me, then you'll love my podcast. Every week we take a new topic, whether it's ranking a director's filmography, covering major film festivals, or getting way into Oscar season. While every week is different, we do have some recurring topics, like our Make Remake series looking at an original film and its remake, or our very popular A History Of program, taking an in-depth look, looking at some of the biggest companies involved in film, including Criterion, A24, and Neon. It isn't all super serious topics, though, as we always need to play catch-up with all the hottest Marvel Cinematic Universe news and general pop culture goings-on. There's something for every kind of movie lover, whether you want reviews, interviews, or in-depth conversations. ContraZoomPod is found on all podcatcher apps, and visit ContraZoomPod.com for even more information. I don't think you realized how that commercial lined up so perfectly with this particular topic. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting as you started easing your way into what the topic was going to be, that our sponsor this week is a podcast that talks about movies. And I did check out their podcast where they did the Oscar recap, and I did think it was kind of sad that they didn't go into more detail about the two fan Oscars that Zack Snyder won, but I guess they had to talk at detail about the slap heard around the world. But it is a great (laughs) podcast. It's very enjoyable. You guys should check it out, ContraZoom Pod Podcast. I will put a link to their website, Spotify, and Instagram in the show notes. Awesome. I might have to check that out for sure. It sounds very interesting. I love movies. I love movies, Not maybe not as much as music, but it's totally up there for sure. All right, we're going to dive back in. Moving on to possibly Lance Armstrong's inspiration, the OG famous cyclist, the Wicked Witch of the West, <laughs> actor Margaret Hamilton. So in my opinion, she definitely suffered some of the worst injuries. So do you remember the scene where the house falls on that other witch where they shriveled up the legs and she was the one who had the ruby slippers? Mm-hmm. That was a wicked witch of the lower valley, right? 
Yes, yeah, of uh, chops. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> In that particular scene, there's a trap door that the witch is supposed to disappear into. And then there's that poof of red smoke and then like a small little flame that pops up, which is the scene that you saw, right, that we all see. It was caught a couple of times. Everything went swimmingly. For some reason, that freaking pesky director, Victor Fleming, said, hey, let's just do it one more time. So they do it a third time. But this time, she goes down the trap door, fine, but the flames started super early. So she was in the flames. It burned her face, the right eyelid, all her eyelashes were off. She had no more eyebrow on her right-hand side. Her face suffered second-degree burns. <laughs> this is riddled with bad luck, or whatever you want to call it. That's awful. And I can't believe you didn't have, like, stunt people at that time. So they did, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That I'm actually going to get into that. She was the OG Tom Cruise doing her own stunts. <laughs> well, this is like a different time back then. They also wanted to work. So they wanted to seem as like as amiable as possible. And yeah, sure, I'll do it as agreeable as possible, I guess, you know. But even her, the skin on her hand, it like got burned off, like literally off in the book. It said it peeled the skin like an orange. Mm, that's gross. I used to like oranges. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, talk about imagery, though, in that book, right? Yeah, and strangely, I'm kind of craving an orange now. Gross! <laughs> <laughs> so poor Margaret suffered third-degree burns, actually, on her hand. And the green paint was made with copper. So that made it even worse because, you know, that's also toxic. And they had to pour alcohol over the wounds to make sure that the metal wouldn't get into, like, her system with, like, copper toxicity. I could not even imagine how painful that would have been. She gets burned and then they're still pouring alcohol over it. This poor lady. The studio didn't even offer to take her to the hospital. She had to call a friend to take her to the hospital. Dude, I'm just going to say this. I don't think the Tin Man was the only one without a heart. That's <laughs> just going to say that. That's so awful. What studio was this? Was it Warner Brothers or? MGM. Oh, MGM. Yeah. Amazon. Well, we hear the... Amazon factory <laughs> workers have some very hideous working conditions. So, <laughs> Six weeks later, when she did return to set, her hand wasn't even fully healed. That's why they had to give her green gloves. Get this. The director asked her to do it, the scene where she gets on the broom and Sky writes, Surrender Dorothy. I don't know if you remember that. And naturally, Margaret made it very clear she did not want to do any more of those stunts with pyrotechnics. They go to the stunt woman. Betty Danko. She did agree to do the scene, but Margaret did have a side conversation with her and said like, hey, like you don't have to do this. Like it could be really dangerous. Like look where it got me, you know, zero out of five stars do not recommend, you know, <laughs> type of thing. But stunt woman Betty said, no, it's okay. They're actually going to pay me extra. They're going to give me $35 for the day. So here's my question. That turns out to be $723.93 today for one day would you do it knowing their track record <laughs> well that's a tough one because that's right about the amount where you're considering it yes i know i think that's the part that makes it a little jacked up you're like oh that's a pretty nice chunk of change i think if they would have said a thousand i would have been like all right f it as long as you guys pay for my medical bills i'll do it <laughs> so for our uk fans that would be about 555 pounds to our wonderful listeners in India, that would be about 
55,259 rupees. So for one day, that's it's not so bad. But let me tell you what happened. <laughs> How many pesos is that? I don't know. I guess I could tell you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. The broom, it was elevated. And underneath the broom, there was like this uh, flame-throwing pipe, which that sounds always safe, right? Because it's broom and straw next to a flame. <laughs> yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Exactly. The pipe exploded. The left leg was bruised completely from thigh to knee. A huge asshole was left in her leg about two inches deep. And it even has pieces of her fireproof costume inside there when it exploded. That sounds awful. But here's a funny side tidbit is when she went to the hospital, the doctors were like, oh, that's so funny. We just had a few flying monkeys in here last week. <laughs> <laughs> Something you don't hear every day. So did they give her $36 for her pain and trouble? Yeah, they probably just said, so when are you coming back? <laughs> Knowing these jerks. <laughs> the worst part is that, sadly, the studio had found the witch's scenes way too scary for kids. So they ended up cutting most of her scenes. And now, knowing that, is it too dark that I'm actually like curious to see what those deleted scenes are? I would want to see them, too. I kind of want to, too. Like, what was too dark? I mean, especially if they were cutting off limbs in a fucking children's book. You know, what is too dark? I don't know. Maybe the actors pissing on water bottles like the uh, Amazon employees. <laughs> Dude, that's so sad. Yeah. That's so sad. I shouldn't be laughing. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> but yeah, that would instantly make the movie much more darker. That would almost be a very different uh, rating, too. <laughs> Let's go on to Toto. I loved Toto. Everyone got hurt in some way. And this is not to exclude Toto, sadly. The real dog's name was Terry because it was a terrier. Super cute, right? Very creative. But it was trampled on a scene with the Winky Guards and it broke her foot. So thankfully, the, the cute little Poochie was okay later. But poor little thing broke her foot. Like, why, don't, why aren't they looking down? I thought you were going to say that they actually went through three Totos before... Before they finished filming the movie. R.I.P. Toto number one. <laughs> All right. And now for the best one, Dorothy. The original person that the studio, MGM, wanted for the main character was cute little Shirley Temple. But her vocals were not as good as they hoped during the audition. So they went with their number two choice, 16-year-old, you guessed it, Francis Gum. I don't think I've even heard of that person. <laughs> actually, that Judy, that's Judy Garland's or like real name, actually. <laughs> I just did it to throw you off. <laughs> I can see why she changed her name. Yeah, Frances Gum does not sound very nice, actually. <laughs> I was left wondering, maybe this is why the first director wanted her in a blonde wig, because I think he still had the idea of like a Shirley Temple. That's just pure speculation. That's kind of odd, though. Did Shirley Temple ever act as an adult? I don't think I ever saw her in anything where she wasn't a kid. No, at the time, Shirley Temple was 10 years old. In the book, Dorothy is 13 years old. So they were like, oh, maybe this will pass. Okay, that makes sense. Clearly, Judy's got some pipes, and this is really what won everybody over. And what would this movie be without her singing? Dude, for reals, when she sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow, like, just beautifully, I remember just being completely captivated. I was not in my living room anymore. I was just, like, right there. In that little barn section or whatever she was sitting on. I don't know. Some kind of like bale of hay or something. And I heard they didn't even have to auto-tune her or anything. Yeah. 
I heard that she really, truly loved that song because she felt like an emotional connection to it. So as many times as she had to sing it, she said she never wanted to like phone it in, which I think is really admirable. Do you remember what she looked like in the movie? Yeah, for the most part. I don't know if uh, some Mandela effect and false memories have come in. Because I want to say she was wearing a plaid dress and then she had her hair up in a ponytail. Yeah, like two tail, uh, two little pigtails. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. So knowing more or less what she looked like, would you call her fat in any way? No, not at all. But I had heard that one, that they were telling her that she needed to lose weight. It's so awful. They signed her on with the caveat that she had to drop 15 pounds. I just don't think that she was heavy in any way, but I guess that's Hollywood for you. I mean, I get the fact that she was supposed to be 13 years old, the character. So, you know, they wanted to make her look a little more petite, but I thought she looked beautiful. Like, I don't, I don't know what the big deal was. And because she was 16, naturally her bust was bigger than a 13-year-old. So they would have to bind it down And then they had to put this crazy tight corset on her so that she looked slimmer and she looked, you know, less womanly and more girlish. Dude, can you imagine trying to sing that song with your ribcage and your chest all bound up? (laughs) That's what I was thinking. I was like, how did she sing with that corset on? I know. And she sang so good. I don't know how she did it. She was miraculous for sure. So the studio almost cut the song out because they felt that the movie was too long. But... I'm so glad that they kept it in there because it's just such a beautiful song. The director would refer to her as the pig in pigtails. And later, Judy Garland herself revealed that she did feel overweight, which means like those words really affected her. Like such a young woman to hear that. Like, how would they not affect her? That's awful. Yeah, that's insane. So this is what the studio allowed her diet to be. Chicken broth, black coffee and cigarettes, which I don't know why that's even a diet, but. That's all they allowed her to have. I'm going to tell you right now, if they brought a tray of that to like 16-year-old me, I would smack them with my ruby red chancla and be like, you bring me some real food. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd be happy about the cigarettes and the coffee, but chicken broth, well, I'm not a big fan of chicken, so I would have asked for maybe beef broth, beef stock or whatever they call it. Right, right. Well, (laughs) but I mean, even for singers, I don't think cigarettes are good, I thought. Eh, When you're 16, it's still good. (laughs) you'll heal. Yeah, when you get older, I think it's when you have to worry about it more. (laughs) Good to know. I I smoked when I was 16, and look at how good I turned out. There you go. Yeah, you did. And that actually went on for for really long, too. I only smoked for 23 years. That was it. That's probably why you have the more uh, podcast voice (laughs) out of both of us. (laughs) Well, that, and I also get really close to the microphone, so my voice has more presence, and it sounds richer. Oh, okay. Now I know. <laughs> okay. So to be fair, they did allow her other things in her diet. Wizard of Oz had grueling film hours, like I mentioned, 16 hours a day. This is a 16-year-old. I mean, she was naturally getting tired. So what did they give her a steady diet of? Barbiturates and downers. How lovely to feed a 16-year-old. What the heck were they thinking? Ah, uh, those were the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> Let's fast forward to her death. What did she die of? Overdose of barbiturates just two weeks before her 47th birthday. That's fucked up. I kind of think that's where it started, but I don't know. They did say that she was a child actor, so she might have been doing it before that. But still, that's enabling it. I don't know. Fucked up. 
Another thing I should mention, because um, it definitely made me gasp when Dorothy's character is introduced to the Cowardly Lion. Not sure if you remember when he jumped out and he was trying to get Toto. And it was kind of funny, too, because he was like snarling and stuff like that. Do you remember? Yes. He'd be like, nah. <laughs> so it was funny. So naturally, she would start to laugh each time he would jump out and start to snarl. After a few takes, the director pulled her aside. And remember, he's a teenager. He slapped her across the face and said, get in there and work because she was not supposed to laugh. The next take, needless to say, is the one that you see in the movie. She did not laugh. Like nothing was funny after that. I mentioned earlier the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman got paid the most. Let me give it to you in ascending order. Munchkins got $50 a week or in today's money, $1,034 a day. That's not so bad. No, not at all. And the only thing I heard about them was that they possibly molested Dorothy that they would put their hands underneath her dress, which is pretty fucked up. At least that's what her ex-husband said. And in case you're wondering what that is in pounds, that's 793 pounds. Or in rupees, it's 78,879 rupees. How many pesos? Oh, yeah. No, you didn't do that calculation. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, sorry. (laughs) I don't know how many Mexicans we have listening. You guys got to start emailing us. If you guys are from Mexico, so we know we could start translating it to pesos. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's only like 1% of our listeners. So I know. They didn't even get credit on the movie. The lead flying monkey did get credit, though, um, because he was like a munchkin. And then he also doubled as a flying monkey. But I do like that. That part has changed. Um, at least everyone is listed in the credits now, even though like freaking credits take like 20 minutes to end. Right? They usually put a great song on, so it's not too bad. Yeah, for the most part, they do, I think. Toto got paid more than the munchkins. Oh, my God. (laughs) She got $125 a week, which is $2,585 a week. His handler must have been living the good life. That's pretty sweet. Like, you just have to give it directions. It wasn't their foot that got broken. (laughs) True. He was the only person that didn't get injured on the set. The handler. I know. Lucky bastard. (laughs) So the the uh, $2,585 a week turns out to be 1,084 pounds or 197,198 rupees a week. Next to get paid in the ascending order is Judy Garland herself. Dorothy only got paid $500 a week, which is $10,342 a week today or 7,937 pounds or 788,944 rupees. And that's pretty sweet money, though. I'd let myself get slapped around for that amount. For $10,000 a week? That's pretty cush, right? Hell yeah, I would slap myself for that amount. (laughs) I don't know if I would do like barbiturates, like uppers or downers either, but oh my God. I was like, well, I don't know how bad I feel now. (laughs) It's messed up. (laughs) So the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman, they got... $3,000 a week back then. 1939. I don't even think I need to translate this to today's money because that's already a lot of money, even for today. $3,000 a week is pretty sweet. I definitely let myself get slapped for $3,000 a week. Yeah. And the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman, I don't think was that, I mean, what, the Tin Woodman, he got an eye infection. Not so bad. Scarecrow, he just couldn't sweat. Yeah. Not so bad. Okay. So for today's money, I will say I did calculate it. That's $62,051 a week. Shit, that's more than I make a year. Dude, that, like, poor Judy got, (laughs) poor Judy got screwed, like, big time. 
They got $3,000 a week and she only got $500? Like, this is super fucked up. And they were all in the same scenes together, I feel like. Yeah, but I think that's definitely, it was definitely uh, Dorothy and Judy Garland that carried the movie. Right. That's why I think she should have been paid more. But of course, she's a woman, you know, and then a teenager. So, of course, they were exploiting her. Finally, here's my last question. Do you have a favorite character of the movie? I think it would have to be Dorothy, Judy Garland. I remember being a little kid when I saw it and it was almost impossible not to fall in love with her. Yeah, she was real soft-spoken and sweet, but she stood up for herself when she needed to, when she had to like smack the lion. And, and she was so pretty. That dress, I remember I wanted that whole outfit. Like I loved that gingham dress, her ruby red slippers. Oh my God, everything I thought was so pretty. Which, side note, I just read in the news today that one of her dresses was found, her costume dress, and they are going to auction it off. They're thinking that it might get about $1.5 million. The lion, that costume, was auctioned off. Do you want to guess how much they got for that one? <laughs> it's kind of gross because I can imagine him sweating into it. Fucking nasty, right? <laughs> you have to put it in like a hermetically sealed, <laughs> like one of those boxes or something. So no one smells it or touches it. I don't know. I would say it probably got a million and the NFT price sold for two million. <laughs> it was three million dollars. Isn't that insane? That is insane for a sweaty lion suit. Gross. Oy. <gasps> yeah. But I, I know my personal favorite character, as I mentioned, was the lion. I think he was just really funny to watch. And then I really liked the way he talked. I was I was really little, so I didn't realize that he had an accent. I just knew that he talked funny. So, you know, later on, I realized, oh, hey, actually, I, I like a Boston accent. I think this movie really predicted my love 20 years later for, like, Mark Wahlberg. You know, the Marky Mark. <laughs> this concludes our learning today. How did you feel about all these crazy stories? Yeah, it was very enlightening. I didn't know about most of those things. I think the only thing that I did know about was how bad Judy Garland was treated. But everything else, I mean, I wasn't aware of all these accidents and all these crazy shenanigans going on. Yeah, shenanigans indeed. I thought it was pretty awful. Well, with that said, congratulations, lovelies. You've done it again, folks. You've learned along with us. This time, some tragic details that um, could have possibly ruined your childhood. Sorry. <laughs> or you're welcome for the fun fact. We hope that you've been entertained by our chat and invite you to join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review. Tell a friend and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at GreetingsTAC. Or you can email us at GreetingsTAC at gmail.com. Or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you have a story to share with us.